It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's to the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And now it's time to get to know your foe, the Buffalo Bills, who the Jets are playing on Sunday in Buffalo, but no home field advantage because of everything that's going on. There's not going to be any fans in the stands. So that should help the Jets, which you're going to need because the Bills have a pretty stacked roster. So to talk about the roster and what the Jets can expect from the Bills on Sunday, brought back my old friend, the host of the ML Sports Platter, of course, a fixture of upstate New York and upstate New York media and radio, Mr. Mike Lindsley. Mike, thanks so much for coming back on, buddy. Scott, it's really great to, to have uh, another spot with you, and, and frankly, I didn't think we'd be here. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you know my prediction from, you know, months ago. I didn't think we'd have any team sports all year. It wasn't because I thought they shouldn't play, but I just thought that, you know, because of so many people arguing and, um, you know, what people thought about the virus and all the rest of it, I just thought, and, and obviously the hurdles that you have to get through uh, to make it happen. I didn't think we'd be here, um, you know, and, uh, and I'm pumped. It's going to be crazy. And I think you hit it. I think you hit it right, right away. You know, no home field advantage. How is that going to affect teams? How is that going to affect games? It's going to be, it's going to be remarkable to watch. It really is. Mike, in fairness, you're pretty much the epitome of chicken lentil when it comes to this stuff. So I'm not surprised <laughs> that you were screaming and hollering that there was going to be no football season. But yet here we are, and we are right on the precipice of the Bills and the Jets facing off on Sunday. So let's talk about this a little bit. And we'll start with the biggest addition on offense, Stefan Diggs. Now, you and I differ on Josh Allen. I don't think you're as, what I would say, unrealistic as some Bills fans are. Some Bills fans believe that Josh Allen is already a top 10 quarterback or something. You're more measured. I'm not a believer in Allen, but we're going to see this year really what he can do. And Stefan Diggs seems to be a guy that they brought in because they believe that he can really get it out of Allen. Talk to me a little bit about what you're expecting to see from this offense on Sunday. They've got Devin Singletary, the rookie Zach Moss, who's pretty good out of Utah. So it should be a mixture of running plays and passing plays because that's really what Stefan Diggs was brought in for, right? Yeah, I mean, Stefan Diggs is going to be a really interesting part of it, obviously. I mean, he is the guy. I mean, he's the number one wide receiver. You know, this is the, 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 the thing that Buffalo, you know, is really coveted. And I think that there's a couple of things concerning Stefan Diggs. I mean, I think number one is, again, I'm barking up the exact same tree that I barked up for a long, long time. And that is, what is the relationship like between Brian Dable and Josh Allen? Can they figure it out? Because last year you didn't have Stephon Diggs, and when the Bills' offense was rolling, Brian Dable went conservative. Um, when the offense opened up, Josh Allen missed every deep throw. Um, 
the, the game that I literally cannot get out of my head is in New England. I can't get it out of my head. I can't get I can't get Josh Allen missing, you know, Dawson Knox right there in a game that my buddy would have hit me with the pass when I was ten in the backyard, right? I mean I can't I can't get that out of my Scott, you know the play. Um, mm-hmm. there were multiple plays, right? And so the throws that the Bills need from Josh Allen. It's easy to say number one wideout. It's easy to say Stephon Diggs. It's easy to say year three, year four of a quarterback. It's easy to say another year with the OC. Great. But when the guy's right there and there's nobody in your face and, you know, you double down, you triple, you check down, double check, triple check. And there's a guy right there. I don't care if it's Dawson Knox. I don't care if it's Tyler Croft. I don't care if it's John Brown. I don't care if it's Cole Beasley. I don't care if it's you know, Stephon Diggs. I don't care if it's Devin Singletary. Um, he's got to make that play. And there's a lot of analytical people out there. Uh, my good buddy, Sal Capaccio, who's amazing as a sideline guy for the Bills, amazing at what he does, probably big, bigger than, than the Buffalo market. You know, he, he got on me last year on Twitter a little bit because he was like, well, the analytics tell you that the Bills are a really good red zone team. And I'm like, huh? I'm watching the games. <laughs> I don't need analytics. To, you know, it's like watching the Yankees and, 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 and somebody gives up two or three runs and they exit the game in the fifth inning. And then you get Mr. Nerd to text or tweet you and go, yeah, but his spin rate was incredible. Right? Like, I, I don't need analytics to tell me that the Bills were garbage in the red zone last year. You know why they lost the game to the Texans? Because they didn't score enough in the beginning of the game when they were in the red zone. They had that great first drive, and they kind of fell away. Stephon Diggs should help a ton of that. No doubt he should. But I think this is more about Josh Allen and Brian Dable being on the same page. And if they get on the same page, the Buffalo Bills offense could be really, 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 really good. Um, and Stephon Diggs is going to alleviate some pressure. I mean, John Brown is arguably a number one wide receiver in this league. He's a number one on the Bills roster without Diggs. Now he's a number two. Cole Beasley becomes a three. So he will help. He's the number one guy. He's a huge target. Um, and then, of course, the other layer is, you know, how much did the, you know, does a preseason, non-preseason, um, you know, less workouts, less time to prepare, et cetera, how will that affect them? I've heard a lot about Josh Allen. There's more excuses for Josh Allen. But I think really this comes down to, you know, the Allen-Dable relationship. I mean, I think that's, that's really what it boils down to. And, and it's easy to say, like, oh, well, you bring in Stephon Diggs, right? And so the excuses are over for Josh Allen. Well, are they? I mean, you have, you've had no workouts. You've had no preseason. Kyler Murray's going into year two. Sometimes rookies fall on their faces in year one. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're in the middle. I mean, is, is his time up because you brought in Don DeAndre Hopkins, right? Like Troy Aikman was awful for two or three years. Um, he's in the Hall of Fame because he got weapons, he had time, an O-line, et cetera. We got to all calm down about the quarterback position, the excuses being over, and this and that. The reality is Stephon Diggs is going to help the Bills a ton, clearly, but let's not get wild about, well, Stephon Diggs is coming in. Instantly, he's Andre Reid. Instantly, he's Jerry Rice. Instantly, the Bills are a, a, a division winner. Instantly, they're this. Instantly, they're that. He's one guy. Um, he's a great, great, great receiver. He's the best wide receiver on paper going into a Bills season since Eric Moulds. But everybody else has to perform, too. And I think Dable and Allen mean more than just Stephon Diggs.
Stefan Diggs has had a legendary battle with Tredavious White already in training camp. Your buddy Sal Capaccio talking about it at length. So we'll get back to Tredavious White when we hit on the defense in a second. But first, I want to talk about the rest of the offense, specifically the offensive line. This is a weird situation for the Bills. They had a really good unit last year. Now a lot of questions. Feliciano is hurt. So what happens here? Does Ford slide to guard? Does Brian Winters come in and play? What happens with Daryl Williams? We know the offensive line is going to be very important because they're going to have to open up holes for Singletary and Moss, and they're also going to have to protect Allen and give him time to throw. What do you see happening here? Who's going to actually end up playing on Sunday? It's wild, right? I mean, you've got Mitch Morse at center and Deion Dawkins on the left side, and that's pretty much like the guarantee maybe short and long term for the Bills, right? I mean, I, I think what it boils down to, though, is you hit it. I think Cody Ford's the guy that you kind of wonder. And, and this is why Brandon Bean and, and to a certain extent, obviously Sean McDermott has a little bit of a hand in the draft. Well, a lot of a hand. It's why they brought in Cody Ford. You know, that's why they brought in the monstrous uh, offensive lineman from, you know, from Oklahoma who you can kind of put all over the place, right? You can play him at guard. You can play him at tackle. You can put him at, uh, on the left or put him on the right. Um, you know, Feliciano is a big deal. I don't think people are talking about that enough, and this was a really good offensive line last year. I, I don't know if, you know, I thought that they were, they were really solid. I don't think that they were amazing, but I think that they were, they were solid. I think they were good enough. Um, and I think those are really the guarantees, you know, on, on the, the middle to left at this point. I think the right side is going to be a question mark all year. Uh, Feliciano doesn't come back for a few weeks. Um, but I think Cody Ford is the X factor. I really do. Um, but again, this is what McDermott and Dean talk about all the time, right? Like depth, versatility, be built up the middle. Um, and, and, and I think the Bills have a little bit of that on the offensive line with the names you mentioned. But I think Ford is going to be the factor because he can be a plug-and-play guy, and they might need that right away in week one. What about Singletary and Moss? What's going to happen there? How are the carries going to be split? Do you expect Singletary to be the workhorse on Sunday? Well, listen, I mean, I, I think the, 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 the days of Emmett Smith, right, and, and, and Walter Payton and you know, Thurman Thomas and El, uh, Ladanian Tomlinson and, and, and Thurman Tom, you know, all the way on down the list, right? I mean, you're, you, you love Ladanian Tomlinson and, and Curtis Martin as a football fan. I know you love Thurman Thomas too as a football fan. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Thurman Thomas, and I know I'm way biased and that's fine. Uh, but Thurman Thomas to me is, is one of the most underrated running backs of all time. But mm -hmm. those days are over, right? I mean, the one back it's it's over. I mean, you you yeah, Ezekiel Elliott's nice right now, but how's that going to look in 2022? Um, you know, and, and I think with the Bills, Zach Moss, I don't know what happened with him with the pick, and I say that because I didn't expect him to go to Buffalo. Um, I know that Brandon Bean looked at him. I know that he spent a lot of time scouting him. Um, I was surprised because. He has a huge injury past, and the Bills don't take too kindly to that. Um, but when Brandon Bean sees something he likes, he goes and gets it. And they must see something that they really, really like. How are they going to be divvied up in terms of carries? Great question, because 
Now you're looking at Singletary, who's kind of coming out of his shell a little bit. Last year, he was the best player, not the best offensive player, the best player on the field in the Texans game, and Brian Dable held him back. And that's the kind of stuff I was talking about earlier about Dable. He's got to get his you-know-what together. I think it's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of like 65-35. And it's not really a thunder-lightning situation. You hear that used all the time, which, by the way, is – is pretty much as used these days as stay safe and, you know, uh, uh, the new normal, right? All these stupid <laughs> words we use now. Um, well, I mean, the thunder and lightning thing doesn't work for me because I think it's more, I think it's more about flexibility and I think it's more about um, just having two guys who can do the job, right? And so I think, I think it'll be 65 35. I think Singletary is really special. I think Boss has a lot of potential. Um, the one thing I am hearing a ton about Moss is that he's a guy who can run for days. And so that can help the Bills in the fourth quarter. You know, if you're up by a touchdown, touchdown and a half, and you want to have more balance and use the ground game just a wee bit more and Singletary starting to, you know, tire a little bit, um, Moss can run for days, big calves, big time, you know, thighs, Huge light guy in the in the gym. Not that Singletary isn't a big workout guy, but Moss could be a durability factor in the fourth quarter to move the chains to hold possession. I would expect, I would predict, could be wrong, 65-35 on those guys. Singletary getting more of the carries. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's talk a little defense, Mike, and we'll start at defensive back because there's an interesting situation developing there talked about Tredavious White before he just signed a massive contract extension with the Bills personally I think he's worth every penny for my money he's probably the second best cornerback in the league after Stefan Gilmore but either way he's going to be locked down on whoever you would consider the Jets number one wide receiver at this point I guess it would be Perriman on the outside at least Crowder in the slot but then at the other cornerback spot this is where the questions come you've got Josh Norman who's slotted as the starter but he hasn't been practicing Levi Wallace was banged up he's his backup he came back to practice Wallace banged up and Norman still not practicing are we looking at a situation where we might not have a completely healthy backup in Levi Wallace starting on the other side of Tredavious White and could this be a matchup that the Jets exploit very possible um you know again Saran Neal you can kind of plug him corner safety maybe there's a maybe there's an opportunity for that um and that that is probably I mean listen for for this particular game Scott, I think that very well could be the storyline, right? I mean, that very well could be because everybody's wondering about Darnold and does he have enough weapons and all this sort of thing. And the Bills, well, they, they, they're the loaded defense. You've got the uh, the great pass rush and, and the great linebackers, and you've got the secondary, et cetera. But this could be the X-factor matchup. I mean, when you start to look at it on, on paper, on the field, where can somebody win here? Where can they exploit, et cetera? It could be the, the, the case for the Jets. It's very, very fascinating to me because the Bills, you know, they had a few of these soft tissue injuries in the preseason. I mean, there's multiple ones. I mean, Wallace and Norman, et cetera. So you wonder if it's a theme. Um, I'm not calling them the New York Yankees. Don't worry. But <laughs> I'm very intrigued by this one. Um, and, and you know what? I'm very intrigued by Norman this year. I mean, the Bills brought him in. 
kind of a problem child. We know he had some really, really good years in the beginning, and then he kind of came off of it. He probably played the wrong defense in Washington. Great point by you to bring that up. Is it a concern? I think for the Bills it might be. Um, I, I really do. I don't know how good still Levi Wallace is. I, I have no I, – I haven't figured him out yet. And Norman, who knows what Josh Norman we're going to get? Who knows what we're going to get there? Trey White, meanwhile, is is – you know, Trey White's a stud. I mean, everybody knows that. I'm not breaking news with that. But I, I mentioning one little quick, quick, quick thing here. I mean, Ramsey got a ton of money, a ton of money right after Trey White got a ton of money. But Brandon Bean literally got Trey White for under what the market says, right? I mean, how do you do that if you're Brandon Bean? I mean, doesn't that prove that this guy is, you know, kind of a quasi-shark, if not all the way in as a great White? This guy grabbed Trey White, you know, for $70 million guaranteed, and it's just – it's mind-boggling to me. It's baffling. I mean, the deal that they got I me mean, signed through 2026, they got him below the market, and they gave him less than, than, than Ramsey. So I think it's a great move. Um, Trey White's an absolute number one corner. He's a shutdown guy. But the rest of the D could be really, really questionable in terms of the secondary as far as cover guys. I think Saran Neal might have to maybe slide over this week if injuries are a problem. Let's talk a little bit about that vaunted front seven. You've got Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, two guys that are considered borderline Pro Bowl level. And then, of course, up front, you've got Ed Oliver, Trent Murphy, Vernon Butler, Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes is the guy that a lot of people would look to as the sack artist there. So tell me a little bit about what you think here in terms of what the Jets are going to need to do with their offensive line to be able to get something going on the ground with Le'Veon Bell and be able to protect Sam Darnold. Last year, Darnold had a lot of problems with the offensive line not being able to give him time. He was under duress a lot. That's going to have to change if the Jets are going to be successful this year. The Bills are certainly going to test that. And Le'Veon Bell had a lot of problems last year because he's a patient runner who waits for the holes to open open up and a lot of times last year with the offensive line those holes weren't opening up we know that they made a lot of changes on the old line the only returning starter is Alex Lewis but now you've got Makai Becton who is big he can block especially in the running game but he's a work in progress Greg Van Roten's a bit of a journeyman and you go and look at George Fant who seems to be on the rise but he's still kind of spotty and hasn't been consistent in the games that he has played tell me a little bit about what you think that unit even though it's completely new and different from last year, is going to have to do to be better against this Buffalo Bills squad and be able to be effective and help Sam Darnold and Le'Veon Bell do their jobs? I think it's real simple, Scott. I think it's quick release, right? I mean, how many times do we talk about Tom Brady, the arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, right? Most say he's the greatest football player of all time. I don't have him in either category. We can do that podcast anytime you'd like. Uh, <laughs> but I think I think the, it's very simple. Mechanics, fundamentals, and allowing Sam Darnold to get rid of the football quickly. And a lot of that might not really have to do with the offensive line, right? It's a, a lot of it's on, you know, a lot of it's on Darnold. Like, get the ball out. A lot of it's on the play calling, the OC, the, the you know, what, what do you – I mean, I think Bell – Boy, I tell you what, when you look at players in the NFL who are like, you know, for example, if we did water cooler, sit at the bar and have a couple of cold ones, and we came out with, give me your top five to ten players to watch in the league and why, right? If that that was the title, I'd give you Le'Veon Bell. I really would. 
Because I think he, if he can have a big time year, because, you know, Perriman, you talk about the weapons, and they have enough at tight end, is there depth there? What's the O line going to do? But, but if Le'Veon Bell can be the versatile, really good back, I mean, the two way guy we know. And, boy, I'll tell you what, that's going to help Darnold a ton. I just think it's quick release. I think it's, it, I think it's getting more screens. And I think when you get the screen, you know, down in this league, um, in today's modern day, not the K-Gun day, not the Houston Oilers run and shoot, not, you know, not, not early 90s, 90s, late 80s, but in today's modern NFL. The way it works is they're using a lot of the schemes. They're kind of using like the old Pete Carroll, you know, Russell Wilson zone blocking when the Seahawks had the Legion of Boom, that era. They're using the zone blocking almost down the field now once you get the screen and they're just spreading the linemen to try and push. And I think if the Jets can get Darnold to get rid of the ball quickly, get Bellmore involved, I think that's really the key to all of it. And then if you can do that, then the run game opens up a little bit and we know that this is a puzzle piece in the NFL. So those are probably the keys. But man, Bell, I tell you what, Bell in the line and that and that's uh and that group I think is I think it's a huge thing. I think it's a huge thing for Darnold. I think Darnold's really good. I really do. I think Darnold has a future in this league. I think he's really, really good. I just don't think he has a ton of help right now, and I think it's going to cause Jet fans to lose their minds this year. I really do. Mike, let's talk game plan, both offensively and defensively. What do you expect the Bills to do on Sunday? <laughs> Scott, if I had the answer to that question, I would be buying you and I an island home for about four months, and we'd be hammered <laughs> by 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I wouldn't be on this podcast. We'd be playing golf. We'd be playing 36 a day. We'd be having beers. I mean, come on. Uh, steak dinners on me every night. Listen, I have no idea, but that's not the right answer. It's it's the bad answer when you're when you're a guest and you're supposed to know what you're talking about. I would tell you this. I think that Josh Allen, I think Brian Dable is going to um, to a certain extent. I think he's going to test Allen early in the season. I really do. I think I think he's going to say, okay, bud, can, can you can you throw that deep ball right? Can you? We have Stephon Diggs now, pal, so let's use him. You know, I, I think the Bills are going to do a, a couple of bombs. I think they're going to try to open up the passing game quite a bit. I think the X factor in the Bills' offense, though, is the tight end. Um, you know, they're deep there. I mean, you've got Knox, you've got Croft, you've got, um, you know, a couple of guys, couple of X factor guys who are incredibly talented. And I think that's going to be a huge, huge, huge deal. Now, I also think that Brian Dable is going to get into his conservative ways and run the football too many times. The keys to the offense, it's very simple. Number one, it's the Dable-Allen relationship. Number two, it's Josh Allen, period. And number three, it's the red zone. When they get down there, can they convert? And I think the tight end and Allen you know, chemistry, et cetera, is going to be a big factor. Um, but I would say look for the Bills to open it up a little bit early in the season. And, well, we're here. I mean, week one is against the Jets. So if the Jets are, you know, the Jets have got to be on the lookout for the possible bomb from Allen because they now have one of the best receivers in the NFL. Mike, last question before we go. Who do you think is going to win this game and what's your score prediction? <laughs> oh, man. By the way, I, we haven't talked about this yet. I'm playing fantasy football for the first time in 20 years. Can you believe that? The <laughs> wow. last time I the last time I played fan the last time I played fantasy football, we didn't have smartphones. I was a sophomore in college. Come on, um, <laughs> I am I'm older than dirt. And the reason I bring that up is because 
everything is prediction now. Everything is score. Everything is numbers. Everything, you know. Um, gosh. Scott, I have to tell you, I mean, no fans in the stadium is going to be a monster factor in these games. I, you know, it's not going to be a big deal for you and me watching at home because the NFL is going to pipe in their sounds and, you know, just the, the zoom and camera look is going to be the same. The watch experience will probably be the same. We're going to know that there's no Bills Mafia. We're going to know that there's no Steeler fans and Brown fans and unbelievable 12th fan in Seattle. And, you know, we're going to know that there's not the Arrowhead, although Arrowhead will have a few fans tonight as we record this. But, um, man, I think the fan thing is going to be a huge deal. And so I think that's going to affect the score here in this game, much like many other games. Um, Boy, I know Bills fans want to kill the Jets. I know Bills fans want a double-digit win. Bills fans also think that the Bills are going 16-0. and <laughs> um, mm, Boy, give me the Bills in this game tighter than most may say. Tighter than most may say. It's a divisional game. The teams know each other. All the cliches, Darnold Allen, everything we talk about until we're exhausted in the face. Boy, I'm going to I'm gonna go 23 to 16 in this game, Buffalo. That's interesting. It would mean that Buffalo would just narrowly cover the spread. I could see that happening. I think something along those lines makes sense. A victory margin of somewhere between five and seven points. It could be a little bit more. It could be a little bit less, but it's going to be a fascinating matchup. And like you said, without Bill's Mafia there, certainly a very different dynamic. Mike Lindsley, host of the ML Sports Platter podcast. Thanks so much for coming on as always. Really appreciate it. For those that haven't been following what you've been doing over at the ML Sports Platter, they're obviously missing out. So tell them what they're missing out on. Well, you know, Scott, since I entered the business a long, long time ago, you know, I learned, um, I, I just, I learned about, you know, how to, how to structure shows and, and, you know, what, what drives the bus. And, you know, I've just been really, really focused, um, over the years on, on content and organization and, um, you know, the, the best guests, I just think the best guests drive the bus, um, and so, you know, I've had Bob Casas and Keller Rickin Jr. and Mark Teixeira, um, you know, Jay Billis, Adrian Wojnarowski. It, for me, my favorite thing to do in, in life is to interview people and interview great people. And I think when you get those kind of people on, um, it opens people's eyes and they, they might turn more towards you and it, and it earns you a little bit more credibility, certainly when you tweet something stupid, right? It's like, ah, well, he's, he's, he's more credible because he had Woj on. It's okay. He tweeted something dumb, <laughs> but um, that's what I do. I mean, that literally, like, that's what I do every single day is I, I, I chase great guests and um, I've had amazing people on and they've been nice enough to come on and, and give amazing content. Uh, it's the ML sports platter all over the major platforms. I'm on Twitter at Mike L sports, Instagram, Mike L sports, 1979. And, you know, just keep plowing along just like you. Um, but it's, it's about the guests. That's the biggest thing. If people are wondering, you know, you're a young journalist, you're, you're a writer, you're a podcast host, you're trying to get into it, you're doing your reps, you're doing your thing. I mean, network the hell out of yourself. Give business cards out. Get business cards. Call people. Build relationships and get people on the show who are great. Not semi-good. Great at what they do. And it's a game changer. It really is. So, you know, Armin Katayan, Jack Benedict, 
um, those kind of people. John Feinstein, right? I mean, uh, all the Yankee beat guys, um, Jack Curry, uh, those are, I mean, they're huge people. So that's really what I built my platform on. Um, and I'm almost in year three already. It's, it's hard. Well, I'm almost done with year three. It's hard to believe. And uh, coming on your program has been a blast. So I can't thank you enough, Scott. Mike, thanks so much for coming on. And I can't recommend your show enough. Again, the ML Sports Platter. You can subscribe anywhere where you can find podcasts. Follow Mike on Twitter as well, at Mike L Sports. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. Let's turn on the Jets digital and turn on the Jets.com. <laughs>